Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. This week, the series of interviews with the mayoral candidates running for office across Northumberland County continues. I will not be interviewing deputy mayor or council candidates. There's just too many of them. However, you can go to the radio station's website or the website for this show to find candidate information. The first interview this week is with Angela Grogan, who is running for mayor of Port Hope. Here is Angela Grogan. I'm so pleased to have with me today Angela Grogan, candidate for mayor of Port Hope. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for the privilege and the invitation to be here. There are some people who may not know who you are. So let's begin with you introducing yourself as a candidate for mayor. Well, my name is Angela Grogan, and I've been a resident of Port Hope for approximately 10 years. I'm also a I work in the area. I conduct my own real estate company here. I've been very engaged in community in the sense of um, being aware of the dreams and the disappointments and the hopes that I have for Port Hope. And not only me, but my neighbors that I've met over the 10 years. And also now on my campaign trail, the hundreds of people I'm meeting. We're all loving Port Hope. This is home and we want to be contributors to the development and the progress of Port Hope. How are you gonna make life in Port Hope better compared to the last four years? Well, that's a very interesting challenge and one that I'm ready for. Um, if we look at the last four years in Port Hope, um, I would describe it as stagnant, um, very complacent, um, non-transparent and people eager to be engaged. So I believe that my years, my next four years would be one of engaging residents, looking at the issues that are coming our way, a very proactive um, mayor, because I'm aware that unless we develop strategies to sustain in a way to benefit residents, we are not going to move from the last four years. So I'm looking at a very proactive engage um, in issues that really, you know, want us to make this place home. When you mentioned these things, transparency, engagement, stagnation, can you give me an example? Let's say, let's take stagnation for example. How has this past council been stagnant? This past council has been stagnant in many ways. Um, if you look at all the failures we had in um, the Wesleyville 
We've had it with uh, most recently the NHL um, arena. I'm not saying they're failures, but I'm saying there are projects that residents became really excited about. And because of that stagnant flow, it seems as though we were ready to say that it wasn't going to go anywhere and it didn't go anywhere. So stagnant means to stand still or to move very slowly and not knowing where you're going. And that's how most residents I speak to feel that way. And then when we look at issues that affect us as people in our daily lives, um, the matter of transportation, um, 2022, we're now only getting a connecting bus at the end of the four-year term. That is the trial project. Um, not even something that is a comprehensive plan that we can rest assured we will have. And it's based on certain conditions. So to me, all those things make, I consider stagnant and stagnant kind of um, plans. If they're progressive, we will know we'll go from here Next, next, till we get to the final solution. And we don't see any of that right now. I'd like to talk a bit more about Wesleyville mm -hmm. because that was an opportunity to expand the town. It was a development opportunity. What is your thoughts on this deal when it was released last spring? Well, the deal was, de was released when it was completed. I don't think as a resident, any of us, um, I stand to be corrected, knew that the deal was being negotiated. And we got the good news that it was implemented. And then we got the bad news that it failed. So again, um, I'm looking at, from a realtor's point of view, I had some questions as to why the sudden failure, because as a realtor, I know that when you buy something on a firm deal, there's very, there has to be something serious to cause a break in that deal. And it's obvious the province felt confident enough to call it off. So there's some questions that haven't been answered to the residents and there's some things that should be answered to the residents as to why the deal failed. Are you interested in pursuing a possible deal to acquire these lands from the provincial government in the future? Can we afford them is my first question. We're borrowing money to buy land. Right now we have 25% of our um, tax dollars going to administration staff salaries. We have 30% going to the county and do the math. We've only got 45% approximately left to take care of all the social um, issues that we're gonna have in a town. Where are we gonna find the money to pay for that without bringing a burden to the taxpayers? Um, I don't think we buy land just to store or to land bank without any future plans. And as I got a glimpse in hearing, there were some conditions that were put into the deal. So then if there's conditions, our hands are tied in any way that we want to be able to use that land within a certain time. So again, no to answer honestly and firmly. I would not, it will cost the taxpayers too much money in legal fees and all other things that would bring it even to a hearing. Affordable housing is at a crisis level. What role do you see council playing in addressing this serious problem? What can be done by the municipality? Well, as you know, the county had um, an affordable housing plan, 166 pages. And for each one of each one of the municipalities, they made some identifying unique needs of that municipality. 
I believe that when we use the word affordable, we're talking about people who are able to buy homes. That's what to me is affordable. It's never looking at people who need co-op housing. It's not looking at people who needs gear to income. And the one thing missing from that county plan was homes for the unsheltered. Um, when I looked at the plan, I couldn't find any specific strategies for the unsheltered. So again, affordable is just a word that we blanket everything with. I would want to see us identifying what's affordable and to whom it's affordable and for what it's affordable. How would you do that? I would do that first. I would look at the plan. I would meet with a county and I would do assessment of our needs in Port Hope. We have to know what we need. I can see what we need visually, but we must now have a concrete strategy and plan to identify those needs and provide for them. Once we know them, I don't think we, especially with emergency housing, we don't have time. We're playing catch up. So we've got to move before it becomes uncontrollable. Um, we know that seniors are now at a very critical point in housing. And some of them who were in you know, private long-term residence, their savings are running out and they're having anxiety as to what will happen next. As a municipality, we, have, we should have a conscience to want to look at this condition that's coming up our way and start planning for it. We have to look at funding from the province and the federal government, and we have to make them aware that we are coming, we're having some needs that are coming up. We cannot keep this to ourselves and we can't try to manage it on our own. We don't have the resources. Before we get really deep into dealing with the unsheltered, I, I, I want to concentrate or go back to at least the affordable housing because people talk sometimes about what we need, or at least the provincial government does, is we need more housing. Mm -hmm. So is de more development in Port Hope the solution to creating uh, housing that people can afford? Well, the solution has to include not only um, our typical semis and detached homes that the average person who's meeting the bank qualifications for a mortgage can afford. We have to look at bringing other stakeholders along with us like corporations to help develop co-op housing. We need to have rent to own homes from developers, a portion of that. We also need to have um, bylaws and zoning laws um, amended to allow accessory apartments. So to me, all that's affordable because if I could afford a rent and you could afford to buy, we're all on the affordable network. Is none of that available right now as far as you understand? Well, I don't seek um, co-op housing. I had the opportunity. I took the privilege to go visit. Um, I was invited to visit two of the subsidized um, projects in our community. And what was alarming that there were five vacant properties since March, 2022, and we're in September and they're still vacant. And yet we have families um, in Port Home in transition places, probably like in Coburg. We have young mothers with children who have no place to go. And we're holding these properties for repairs, for renovations. To me, council and the mayor should have applied an urgent application to release those five homes. They should not still be sitting there. Where do you stand on the Garden Hill development? Well, that's been a, a very um, interesting one. 
it doesn't matter where I stand right now, the deal is done. And I think that's a lot of things that people miss. You cannot change something after it's done, especially when the developers are already paid their fees. And remember, the provincial government has a mandate that if the municipality doesn't make decisions, they can step in and make decisions. So when we look at the Garden Hill project, I said, it's a lot to do about nothing. Sorry to be so candid. The deal has already been done. What we have to look at as residents that we now be engaged in any future deal. So we have a, um, a say or some sort of input. It's too late for the input. With growth predictions saying we're going to see a rise in population in the county to 122,000 people or more by 2035, what role does council play in absorbing this growth? That's where I talk about proactive. 2035 sounds like a long way, but it's not. It is less than um, 13 years. Right now we have six kindergarten classes. We have 45% of our population, our seniors. So let's take all of that and bring it forward 13 years from now. Unless we start planning right now, engaging the province and the federal government and even corporations to, collab to co collaborate with them to develop housing, we're going to be back here. You can't do it in 14 years. The time is now. How do you react to the county's plan for protecting agricultural lands, the agricultural mapping that's going on right now at the county? I react in a positive way. We must maintain the farmlands. It's the food basket of any community, any country. We can't eat buildings. We must protect them. But we also must support the farmers. It is one thing to, to protect and the other thing is to support. So we have, and the young people to encourage that in education that they too would wanna to become farmers and take care of the farmlands. Planning committee meetings are often jam-packed with people looking to develop individual lots. With the county wanting to concentrate development in focus places like hamlets and villages and towns, are you at all concerned that this kind of piecemeal development will be impacted by the agricultural mapping? And is this a good thing or a bad thing? Again, if we're going back to preserving the farmlands, it's a bad thing. Because for every individual who come forward and is able to change the zoning bylaw, if we don't allow another one, then what are we doing? We're not doing an inclusive community and we're not giving equitable treatment. So we have to decide. Are we going to be inclusive and equitable by shifting for one person, or we're going to have a bylaw and a standard that we abide by and identify these are the lands that will not be allowed to be, you know, to be rezoned. The county is also undertaking a countywide plan to protect the natural heritage. Where do you stand on its efforts to protect natural heritage within the boundaries of Port Hope? Yes, we must protect them because without our natural heritage, we're not Port Hope. It's, it's our identity. And like any other part of Port Hope, whether it's um, historical buildings or natural heritage is part of us and we must maintain those. And how do we do that? Again, we have to work with a conservation authority 
we have to work with all the stakeholders to make sure that it's just not one voice, but it's a collective voice that's standing up for the protection of our natural resources. Environmental protection and climate change are huge issues. Mm -hmm. What role do you see council playing in the battle against climate change? Yes, um, environmental and climate change are sort of the new, I would say cliche words, but we have to look at what that means and what it entangles. So we're looking, um, yeah, we wanna save the trees, but yet we are not providing transportation to reduce the green emissions. We're not teaching people about reuse, recycle, restore, and how to take care of specific um, environmental issues. So again, we have to come back with education. We have to come back with promotions. We have to come back with community engagement and community in involvement in the sense of volunteers learning about the environment. And we have to look to the experts. There are many gifted people within our community who have that knowledge, who can bring it to council and form a very progressive type of, um, you know, climate change activity. We can't just think it's going to be saving the trees. If we do that, I think we're missing a lot that is affecting our environment. Well, I know in the last four years that saving trees has been a big issue for the community. So where, where do you stand on, on protecting those trees? I believe in protecting, but as I said, we have to also look at what causes not only cutting the trees down, because as you know, some of the trees might be weeds that have grown into trees. We have to look at the value of them. We have to look at the location and we have to look at the dollar amount that we're using and how can we use them otherwise? So again, yes, everything is worth, but again, you must know what you're saving. Earlier on, you were talking at, at some length about unsheltered people, homeless people, and there was an opportunity to take steps to address this crisis. People are sleeping in tents and parks and in other public spaces. What do you think the municipality, Port Hope, has to do, not just in terms of mid and long-term issues of shelter, but to do immediately. What would you, steps would you take to address this right now? The first thing we have to do is apply the lens of compassion and understanding as to why somebody would need shelter in those conditions. We cannot take from our own privileges or our own lifestyle to judge. And I think a lot of what I've been hearing is those people can do better or they're just mentally ill. So we can't discard people with flippant emotions. We have to sit back and think that could be my child, my daughter, my father, whatever. Once we do that, we have vacant buildings sitting around that we can do in an emergency application to even shelter. But instead, we're hearing things like, oh, insurance and risk factors. And you know what? When it comes to human life and me, I take that risk for shelter and then I deal with everything else. So I believe that we have to put a human touch, human compassion. Should there be an, a permanent emergency shelter based in Port Hope? Yes, and it's long overdue. When we sold that police station, that should have been the first thing we thought about. It was adequate, 
It probably had all the zonings that just needed to be amended, but instead the, the municipality sold it. So while they sold it, then here we are. We've got other buildings just sitting idle. So the municipality owes it to the residents to become very proactive and to shelter. I am concerned about this winter more so than ever. Do you have a specific place in mind or a couple of places that you might want to list that you think would be well suited for this? And if you were elected, you would move quickly to, to put them in place? Well, I mean, anything I name right now, people would say, well, that's not suitable because the stairs are too high and you can't get, there's all these excuses that I hear. So I would identify if the police station is for sale, I would say, buy it back, negotiate it back and buy it back. I would say the Ruth Clark Center. I would say any schools that are vacant, we have to look at. Opioids continue to be a critical issue uh, in, in Port Hope and across the country. Can you tell us what you would plan to do as a municipal leader to address this issue? Well, opioid forms part of the mental health um, aspect of any human being. People don't go on opioids because they woke up one day. Some people were suffering physically from pain and got addicted to them. And again, that's a compassion spectre for me. I would say that we have to start having harm reduction as part of our mandate and even um, harm reduction facilities to bring education and treatment in a location that people who are in opioids are not left in alleyways to or in bank, you know, to lay on the ground that they could go somewhere for help or we can go to them and offer help. And I think that's the first step. Harm reduction is one of those terms. People associate different things with it. Could you be more specific as to what you specifically mean by harm reduction? Well, harm reduction could include safe injection sites, even though some people say not in my backyard, but trust me, it's reality in our backyard. There's some things that even though we don't believe, personally, we have to look at objectively. And again, I would say safe injection sites, education is big, retraining, um, co-op job opportunities. I taught special ed and I know what I felt when my students were put in a class at grade 11 to languish because the, the, the curriculum say, teach them how to read and write. I was the first teacher to settle and said, no, I would teach them to read and write in a grocery store. And how are you gonna do that, Angela? I'll go out, get them a job, stacking the shelves and that would be my curriculum. How to read Heinz Bees, how to count, how many cans to put on. And I work with the employer, the, the owners of those stores in Markham. And I'm telling you, it became a success. Students were eager to learn. And I could see a supply similar. So the loss that we have upon Pemberton, the municipality could have built something there, sort of like a workshop for people who needs special training, and then they can be dispatched to employers throughout Northumberland. But again, it's, in it's, it's, it's tight because there's no transportation. So we're locked in, even though we're thinking outside the box. What more can council do to help local businesses? <sighs> council for local businesses um, with a new Walton development right now, uh, from what, I'm, uh, what I heard, 
the businesses were not given the information for them to make decisions on to how that infrastructure repair would affect them. So some of them were caught off guard. Again, transparency, accountability, and working in collaboration with all the stakeholders when decisions are going to be made, not in isolation. And that's, I think, is the biggest thing. Also, we need to expand our industry to clean industry. We, we, have to, we have to bring in more businesses into our community. And I remember, I've been here for 10 years, it's been a big pushback. No, Port Hope doesn't want that. We want tourism and we want um, small businesses and we want the allure. Yes, we can keep that in designated areas. We're not here to change some areas, but we have other lands that should be opened up. And I think we made a big mistake with the Pemberton area and those lands. Roads are vitally important. The Walton Street Project, the Rose Glen Road and others what are your priorities to keep roads maintained over the next four years? Well, my priority is to work with the county because if you look at the condition of our roads right now, if you look at the weeds that are going, growing around lamp poles and if you look at the cracked sidewalks, um, if you look at the unsafe winter conditions uh, for cyclists, pedestrians, you know that we have to go to the county and said, hear me, we need you to work with us to make these roads better and safer. All right, so are you saying uh, you, your focus would be on the county roads within Port Hope? Is no, that... not only the county, but we'll work with the county, we'll work with the municipality because they have to work together. One abuts the other. So if we maintain our municipality roads, which we have an obligation to do, and which I see some more effort, to be honest, in the maintenance of them, I see a lot of lack in the maintenance of the county roads. And those county roads lead us into Ward 2 and areas like that. And I also think the municipality have an obligation to look at the road conditions in Ward 2, their pavements and areas that need to be properly paved. I mean, they're part of us. We are one port hope. So we have to start being really active. There will be a major change in the way that the OPP will be governed starting in the new term. What is your view of the changes from the five individual OPP committees to one, and will you have more control? How do you see this new system working? Well, I must be honest, I haven't studied the system. Um, I haven't given them the system. So I would want to say at this point, I am not qualified to make a really um, firm even opinion on it. And I'm not shy to say that, but that's another, another thing that we need to deal with. What is your role as Port Hope's representative to County Council? My first, my first commitment is to the people of Port Hope who have been elected to represent. When I'm on council, I am also part of a county um, decision maker. I have to look at all of us with very fair lens in our unique positions. And I have to be able to assess and identify what I think is best for each. And 
I don't want to say I'll be biased, but I know the need of Port Hope a lot more than I know the needs of those other communities. So that would be a learning curve for me. There has been a steady increase in property taxes in the last term, uh, as well as before. Somewhere between one and 2% usually are, is the rate in which these go up using round figures. So what can you say to people listening who might be concerned about their property taxes going up? I'm one of those people because I live in Port Hope. Very much a concern. We have to look at where we can, we have to look at the budget. We have to look at how the money has been spent because taxes just don't go up automatically. Taxes rise because it's dependent on trying to save shortfalls because you know the municipality cannot run a deficit. So if they can't make it up one way, they have to come to the property tax owners. We have to again increase industry to help offset some of the property taxes. We have to look at the amount of staffing. We have to look where we're spending money. We have to look at um, where we are, you know, what services that we could amalgamate to make cost saving um, advantages for the residents. I don't think we should be going every year and just saying we need this amount for this and this amount for this. There are reports that we can go back to and review. And I've, I've reviewed them, I've studied them. So we have to look at those recommendations. We are probably one of the highest tax-based communities in Ontario, and that doesn't sit well. As you and I have been talking, you've mentioned another uh, number of ambitious plans, purchase the old police station, uh, uh, harm reduction center, that would cost money. Um, you talked about getting roads done and working with the county to get roads done. All those things cost money. How do you see your plans coming forward and yet at the same time wrestle the issue of tax increases as you just described? Yes. Well, as you know, there's funding available. There's funding available for a lot of things and it is to work with the municipal staff to identify what fundings are available and what grants are available and to apply them to a strategy that we can use to benefit the residents. Um, I understand that we won't be able to probably support them ourselves, but yes, I think Port Hope has failed to apply for a lot of the funding that was available. And I'm not talking about community funding, I'm talking about infrastructure and other fundings that would help our tax base. You recently wrote an open letter on your website describing past dealings you had with the Ontario College of Teachers. Can you explain why you felt you needed to write this open letter? Thank you for asking. I felt the need to write it because I was feeling a sense of harassment. My campaign office was getting anonymous letters about my character. I was getting emails from residents to my private email. I was getting text messages from residents in Coburg questioning my integrity. And I felt it was a personal matter that had nothing to do with a campaign. And I felt that people would have judged me based on that. And I had nothing to be ashamed of. So I wrote an open letter. And I also showed the harassment I received from the police, from a counselor and someone who's now running for mayor, 
who colluded to continue their harassment to the fact that the police came to my house and knocked on my door and threatened me with harassment charges for something I never did and something I would have never done. And I had to protect myself and my character. The matter with OCT, I pursued it, Robert, for 10 years. I pursued it on my own because I knew I was telling the truth. I knew I did nothing wrong and I knew I was used as a pawn to shield the Ontario College of Teachers. I didn't have the money to fight them, but then I went back to my union and I said, here's something, you either help me or I go public because I knew that there were three judges who heard my, who was at my hearing, but only two signed the document to revoke my license. And my question is why didn't the third person sign it? And that was the million dollar question. So after I asked that question and I told them I know where to find the judge, they found her. And she said, I couldn't live with myself for 10 years. I knew what we did to her in that boardroom. I was an advocate for students who couldn't help themselves. I was an advocate in the school system for kids who were arrested unfairly. I had my voice and I was silenced, but not for too long. I gained my strength back and I took back my respect. And knowing that two counselors were used that for integrity officer of Port Hope to make a decision that this counselor did not abuse me, I think that spoke volumes of the character of all the players at the municipality in the way they treated me as a woman, a black woman in the community and how they tried to stereotype me as a candidate for mayor. What do you do when you're not doing politics or being running for mayor? How do you relax? Uh, what, do you, what do you do for fun? Do you have any hobbies? Do you have any guilty pleasures? Oh, yes, I have them. So I do a lot of gardening. I, I love to read. I run my own real estate company. And I enjoy entertaining at my home. I love to dance. So even by myself. So I'm a big fan of music. And I'm just a very fun person altogether, if you get to know me on a personal level. But I realize there's a place and time for everything. And I apply those principles when I am on and about, depend upon where I am. Why will you be a good mayor? Because I'm a good decision maker. I'm compassionate, I'm fair. And most of all, I'm a strong individual. And I'm not, I look at things very carefully without any prejudice that sometimes it shocks even me that I can see things. I love people. So when I look at the diversity community moving into Port Hope, and I saw the remarks on the different Facebook pages, Robert, I was the one jumping out since 2017 and saying, stop guys, this is not right. And because of that, I was targeted that people could boldly say about me, I don't like her, but they can't give the reason why they don't like me. They like me because I spoke the voice of fairness and respect for all human beings. Angela Grogan, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Robert Washburn. It's been a pleasure. That was Angela Grogan, candidate for Mayor of Port Hope. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me. 
and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.